The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host. Welcome back. I'm joined this week by my co-hosts, Joe Chung and Mark Osterman, and we have a great show for you. On this week's show, we're going to talk about Chase Sapphire Reserve four years in and the tough position the bank is putting their customers in. We'll talk a little bit about how we make money on the podcast and the site and Miles to Memories in general. We'll discuss that age-old question, should you use cash or should you cash in your airline miles? We'll talk a little bit more about the coronavirus and how it's affecting our travels and more. Before I get into the show, let's talk a little bit about mtmpodcast.com. Not only can you find the links to subscribe to the show, we support all of the podcast platforms, but you can find links to support the show, credit card links, the tools that we recommend, things we talk about on the show, mtmpodcast.com. Let's hit it. Hey, Joe, uh, you booking any of these uh, great travel deals that uh, have been popping up with the coronavirus? (laughs) No. (laughs) I am not. As is known, I don't generally plan last minute travel. So even if it's super cheap, although I don't know, I some of the stuff is definitely tempting. But uh, I think that's something we'll be talking about later in the episode. So maybe we should save that. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But today I saw like $199 to Hawaii. That's pretty crazy from the West Coast. And I suspect that we'll see even more deals. So that's been been fun. What have you been up to this week? Yeah, before that, there was like 220 in Barcelona. Like, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah, and we I think we covered a story on the on the website this week that Cathay Pacific has canceled 75% of their flights for March. So uh, lots of uh, stress there on these, on these airlines around the world. It's a weird time, that's for sure. Anyway, uh, in terms of what I've been up to, I've got a Vegas trip coming up in a couple weeks that is likely going to go through but who knows um since things are developing and then also you know i think I, I i think like everyone who travels a lot the coronavirus has been on my mind a lot just because the vegas trip coming up and also i have a disney cruise coming up in april as well so it's interesting because a lot of the waivers for travel changes and stuff like that expire in april so i don't know if people are being optimistic that things will be fine then or they're just you know, I don't actually know how things are going. So I think we need to give things a couple of weeks in the United States to see how things spread anyway. So how, as a, as a teacher, how have things been uh, in school? Everything's just kind of been normal or? Well, I mean, I've, it's kind of funny. Like in one of my classes, I've been doing an infectious diseases unit. Like we were doing this, you know, it's something I do every year, probably going to end up pivoting and doing like a kind of mini unit on coronavirus and COVID-19. But since we've been talking about that, both in that class and my other classes, I've been talking just about the coronavirus in general, because, you know, we're science teachers, we talk about that. And I made a funny joke. Well, I thought it was funny, which was uh, all we need is for Drake to make a TikTok of people greeting each other by bumping elbows or something. And then we'll really get rid of the hand to hand contact that keeps happening. And, you know, maybe that'll help prevent the spread. There you go. They bought it, by the way. They were like, oh, if Drake did it, you're right. All the kids probably would just uh, do whatever, Um, you know, I think one kid was telling me, yeah, I wear my pants this way because Drake does it or something something like that. Or like I wear my hair. I don't know. So who knows? The other thing is, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think U.S. schools are going to 
quarantine or whatever. But if they do, it's really kind of funny or not funny because uh, it's not my ideal situation. But I'm like, oh, if they quarantine us, like, are we going to have to make up those days in June? Like, it's just going to be it's just going to be a mess. So a peek into the mind of a teacher, I guess. Yeah. And in China, I know in, in Japan, they have a, largely online systems that are replacing the schools. So while the schools are closed, people are able to get uh, the children are able to get somewhat educated online. Do we have any system like in your school district, any system like that here? Or would they just pretty much be sitting at home twiddling their thumbs? Well, we could do that. All you have to do is record a video, upload it to YouTube. Google Classroom is a Google suite that works very well for schools and lots of schools use them. So theoretically, you could do that and not extend the school year. But who knows? You know, anyone who works in government at any level in this country knows that sometimes move, things move pretty slowly. So I'm not sure how it'll be. It's interesting you mentioned China. I have a friend who ended up getting stranded outside of China, which worked out well for her, um, who is an elementary school teacher there. And so she said, yeah, like, like you were mentioning, the system was all set up. Um, she has to record videos for her students to watch. She's an elementary school teacher, but she was also telling me that middle school teachers in her school, they, the middle school teachers have to do live lessons. So they already have like, I don't know if it's Zoom or, or Google Hangouts or whatever, maybe it's some educational software, but you know, they have that set up already. So uh, the middle school teachers are like meeting with their classes, quote unquote, live. So, you know, the technology is out there. Wasn't that a scene in Horizons at Epcot where the, uh, the children are being taught virtually all over the world? Wasn't that like a, a futuristic scene out of there? Oh yeah, yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> just, like the, just like just the futuristic wanna... virtual reality scene in uh, Carousel of Progress. Yes, the future is here. And we gave everybody out there an excuse and reason to drink. But I'm getting ready to leave for Hawaii next week to Disney's Alani, and everything seems like that's going to be a go. Nothing seems to be getting in the way of that. So it sucks. I talked about the $199 Hawaii fares. Like I'm going to Alani next week on a pretty expensive vacation that I booked with Delta Vacations with Miles. And now I'm sure the prices are going to plummet right before I go there. So like the value I'm getting for my miles isn't great, but oh well. Hashtag first world problems with that. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to go. Lonnie's been high on my list for a long time. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, Mark just uh, just joined us. Mark, what have you been up to this week? Uh, not, not a ton. I uh, just got done with a very stressful basketball game. So that's why I'm a little late. But uh, came back from 19 points down in the first half to win it, which is pretty impressive. Uh, this weekend, I spent some time downtown Detroit, uh, hanging out with some friends that were in town and hit up some bars and some restaurants and checked out some new spots. So it was a lot of fun. Cool. Joe and I were talking a little bit about Corona virus and, and stuff like that and how uh, Joe was talking a little bit about schools and how they're handling that. Oh, I'm, and, o- I'm uh, okay. I stayed away from Corona beer this weekend. So I'm, I'm, you know? I'm, I'm marked as safe. So I'm good. Yeah, well, that's good. I I knew I knew in Michigan they had different standards on on uh, what made you safe or not. So I'm glad that uh, all it takes is yeah. a little. I was wearing uh, paper masks and drinking it through a straw, so I'm I'm all good. That all sounds right. like the worst way to drink beer. <laughs> oh yeah, I've never had it through a straw. Warm, it probably, warm beer through a straw. No, that, be, that the, the worst terrible. the worst I've ever seen in real life is somebody poured beer uh, like over ice, and I was like, "What are you doing, man?" I've had that before. Ugh. When it was warm, I'd rather have beer over ice than warm beer. No, you just suck it up and and chug down the Uh, warm beer, man. No, I mean, if you drink it fast enough, though, then the ice won't melt. But anyway, you know, I think it 
is useful probably for people to hear kind of my thinking about my two trips because the thinking is actually a little bit different. So like I said, I have a Vegas trip planned actually for the first weekend of March Madness, which I'm super excited for. You know, I think I've mentioned on the podcast here, I haven't been to Vegas for like five years. Sean, if you're free, maybe we should grab lunch. But you should come the second weekend when I'm there. Yeah. Oh, dang. Missed out. That would have been cool. But um, we've been town. Oh, right. You're going to be in a lot. Well, whatever. He's going oh, no. to leave he's just because I'm he's coming. Making, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so for Vegas, like I'm very minimally worried about getting the illness itself, COVID-19. And even if I were to get it, I'm mildly worried about what could happen. But for the most part, for most people, especially for people my age and with my health profile, you know, I'd, it'd just be like me getting a bad case of the flu. So I'm not super worried about that. But what I am worried about is stuff like if I were to go to Vegas and the 0.0001% chance that, I don't know, like Vegas gets quarantined and people aren't allowed to leave or something like that, I doubt the United States would pull something like that like China did, but who knows um, if that could happen. So for Vegas, I'm worried because I'm going to be there by myself. I don't want to be separated from my family or, you know, even bring the illness back um, to my family. We can set up a quarantine tent in my backyard for you if you need uh, a place to stay. Yeah, but I have to, I'd have to fly my family out because, you know, I don't want to abandon them for that long. And then for the Disney cruise in April, though, I think the big difference is that even smaller zero 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 one chance, if I got quarantined on a ship, even though I'm with my family, that would feel like a terrible thing. So those are the kind of two risks that I'm thinking about. Right now I'm leaning towards going on both trips, but those are kind of the things that I'm worried about. But in terms of actually getting sick, I'm worried in the sense that I'm worried about getting the flu every year, but I'm not like, you know, crazy worried. You know, like I get my flu shot every year to prevent these kinds of things. Yeah, after last week's show, I had talked about how I was most likely going to be canceling. I mean, we had to make the decision to cancel our trip to Europe in a couple of weeks. And it's the main reason, just like you said, is the risk of being quarantined. I'm a little less worried about being quarantined traveling in the United States, but uh, being stuck overseas in somebody else's jurisdiction, I just didn't think it was the right time, especially because we were supposed to go to an area, you know, we we're supposed to go to France and, and parts of uh, Italy and Germany. So right where there is an outbreak. So it didn't make sense. But, you know, speaking of, you know, cruises, I wrote earlier today, uh, kind of rehashed a cruise I took in 2009, which was swine flu cruise, where basically, if everybody remembers, there was this swine flu, uh, pig flu that broke out in Mexico, and they canceled a bunch of, or they let people cancel their itineraries. And so I booked a cruise for like 99 bucks for a four-day cruise. And then today I found like the, the coronavirus equivalent of that. $119 for a four-day cruise. Almost, I was so close to booking it and then the price went up. It's funny how I would, on one hand, want to cancel a trip to, to Paris or to Europe in a couple of weeks. And then on the other hand, be okay with getting on a cruise ship in a few days. Uh, yeah, I think it, a cruise ship's like the last place I'd want to be with virus. Well, I just think that there's nobody really coming into the country anymore. I don't know. I, I, it, was a, I, it was definitely something I had to think about. I'm like, well, why am I okay with one and not the other? And I think if you got on a cruise ship in the United States, hopefully uh, the way the quarantine would be handled would be a little bit different than what we saw in Japan. But that's certainly not guaranteed. So it's certainly, uh, I guess, a small gamble if you're getting on a ship that somebody could have that and then you're going to end up in at least two weeks of quarantine on board. But $119 for a four-day cruise, you know, you got to weigh that, I guess. But there's some great deals to be had for sure. So anything else to add, Mark? Are you have are you are you changing your planning for the future because of coronavirus on trips you're going to plan? Are you doing anything else? Has this last week changed anything for you? Not really. Uh, so far, I mean, I'm going to Vegas in a couple of weeks, and then 
think uh, Minneapolis in April, so I'm not really worried about those. And then the big trip is Europe uh, to the Kiev and Prague in May. So that's the one that's kind of up in the air if it spreads more over there and they start limiting where you can go and who can come in and who can leave. I might have to cancel that, which would which would be sad because I've, I've been looking forward to that for a couple of years now. But I'm going to kind of let it play out. Hopefully it dies down by then. I think there's a lot more fear of the virus than there is actual like cause for the fear. So I think that's just, you know, 24-7 media, social media, all that stuff like People are are going to Costco and buying them out of all the paper towels and stuff in California, which I think is over the top and and all that type of stuff. So I don't know. I think it's overplayed. So well, I, I'll I'll stand in. I just say I went to Costco the other day, and I I, <laughs> I agree with you. No, that this is all overplayed. But what I what this got me thinking about was that we've very much turned into like a just in time household. So we have very few extra things, I guess, on hand. And I don't know that that's the best way for us to live. Like we should have some basic supplies. So that's basically, we kind of use this as an excuse to like, we really should beef up our supplies. We didn't go doomsday shopping or anything like that. So I I think that this could be a good, it could be good in that sense that it kind of is a good reminder for people that you should probably have some stuff on hand, but I do think it's been a little bit overblown for sure. Yeah. You'll be stuck eating a bag of croutons as your snack after a week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll definitely lose some weight, but um, I think, I think it's overplayed, but I do think that the people who are trying to underplay it are like underplaying it too much. I just did the math like yesterday. The fatality rate for should we this... should we really trust your math though, Joe? I mean, you have a history. good point. Good point. I use a calculator though. <laughs> TI eighty five. There you Thank go. You. All right. The fi- the fatality rate is three. Graphic calculator. Ooh. Graphing calculator. Whatever. Genius. Okay. So. The <laughs> graphic. So you know, you know what I meant. I'm still high off of my win. So let me let me be. The fatality rate for this COVID nineteen is like three percent, and it'll probably go down because there's a lot of like asymptomatic carriers. The flu, at kind of its highest estimate, using the numbers I pulled from the CDC, that fatality rate is zero point one five percent. So you know, if the number of people who got infected with the flu get infected with this, which is probably not going to happen, but if that happened, we would see pretty huge death numbers. Like people are like. Oh, um, hundreds of thousands of people have died from the flu and only 3,000 people have died from this. Yeah, because millions of people have the flu. So when we underplay it, I think we need to underplay our reaction to it and the hysteria. But the fact that it's a new disease, like that should not be underplayed because when it's a new disease, there's no herd immunity to it yet. And people like are not ready physically, immunologically to deal with it. So um, that's my little mini rant there for those who say that the flu is uh, worse. I mean, yes, the flu is worse and we should all protect ourselves from the flu right now. But if this coronavirus and uh, COVID-19 gets to more people, that's the one that's going to be worse. Yeah. And you just have to look at what sort of the economic moves that like a place like China, China wouldn't shut down their economy to the extent that they did in order to contain this if it wasn't important. There's a lot that's unknown about how, you know, what the eventual spread is of this and and the ramifications of it are. But, you know, the worst case scenario is bad and hopefully it won't be that bad and not, but to to try to discount it or, or say that it's not you know, or compared to the cold or the common flu is just, it's really kind of disingenuous because it's something different, has its own different background. And let's, like we said, hopefully it turns out to be not as bad as the worst case predicted. But anything else that we should add on or we, we want to talk credit cards, want to get into kind of move into the show and talk about something a little bit more fun? Well, I think we should say really quickly that, you know, we don't have the time to list them all here, but a lot of the U.S. domestic carriers 
not Spirit, but a lot of the carriers are offering change fee and cancellation fee waivers and stuff like that for, you know, every carrier has its own like random rules. Like you had to have booked the travel between X date and Y date. Like most of them are only allowing these changes and cancellations for fares that you've booked recently, even if it's to one of the affected areas internationally. Um, But, you know, definitely check out uh, your carrier if you think you might be canceling or changing your trip because you might be able to do it uh, without a fee. Ryan, he he put together a post, like a roundup of all the different airlines that are doing this and the dates and everything. So that should be posted tomorrow, which is Wednesday, a day before this comes out. So be sure to check that out. It gives you everything in one place, so it makes it easy. And if you are going to travel and you've decided that you're going to travel and you have bookings that are not that are refundable, check the prices, like hotel bookings. Check if the cash prices have gone down because demand may be falling. So it may be an opportunity to travel cheaper on a trip that you're already going to do. So keep that in mind as well. All right. And let's talk about our, our next topic here. And it's uh, Chase and Sapphire Reserve because everybody is really interested in that. And you make a good point in this week's article. You wrote about how uh, Chase is making their Sapphire Reserve card members have to make some difficult decisions. And a, a good point is that we're coming up on four years since that product was launched, like four years ago in the summer, right? Yeah. So a couple couple points I made. And I know we've talked about this, you and me, Sean. Um you know, they recently increased the fee. It's going to be hitting, I think, April 1st. Uh, and they, they're giving a couple credits for Grubhub, $60 credit. And then you get Lyft, um, Lyft Pink, which gives you some discounts and some free scooters every month and stuff. So most people are getting to try it out for free before their um, annual fee increase hits. But a lot of people signed up four years ago and that annual fee hits in August. So they're going to be paying for an annual fee. And none of these things are guaranteed long term. You know, like Lyft Pink is only for one year. There's nothing in the future. So Grubhub is only for next year. So people are being asked to pay a, a $550 annual fee come August or April, May, June, July, whatever, in that time frame, and they're only guaranteed to have a $60 credit next year, and they're not going to have Lyft Pink. So I'm assuming Chase will put something else in there to to make up for that, but you're paying a fee and not knowing what you're going to get the next year. And I think that's that, that's bad form. You know, that's one thing. American Express did it, and they had it set up where you know what you're going to get. It's a long-term partnership, so you can make that decision based off of it. So you're kind of stuck holding the bag and just hoping Chase comes through. I mean, you can always downgrade down, down the way uh, to get a partial refund on your annual fee. If you cancel your card after, I think it's uh, 30 days, then you don't get a refund on your annual fee. So that's the only way you could get money back if if Chase brings out something that isn't something that you like or value. I thought that was kind of just a bad move move by Chase overall and and it's a, a tough place to be in because you're not you don't know what's going to happen the next year. What do you guys think about it? Well, you point out in the article that we're almost 4 years on now and that's sort of the restriction that Chase has put on cardholders before they can get a bonus again. So Yeah, which they did. They did right at the 2-year mark when people were about yeah. to can't close their card and reopen for another bonus and then they do this increase right before the four years up, so I think they're playing around with this because of that. Is it like City where you can't open or close in the four years, or is it you just can't have received the bonus for four years? You can't have received the bonus. Yeah, it's the bonus on either date. Sapphire product, the the preferred or reserve. Yeah, so it's the actual date that you receive the bonuses, not the date you get a you get. A... But like closing it isn't going to put you in a situation where um, no, you know, it doesn't you reset can't... the clock or anything. Right, got it. You know, that, that means that there's cardholders like me who have had the Sapphire Reserve since day one that are going to have to also strategize and figure out on top of all these changes and, and the increased fee, whether it makes sense to maybe you know, sit it out for a while and then 
maybe throw my hat back in the ring down the line somewhere if I'm under 524. That's the real big hurdle there, right? Is you have to be under 524 to get these cards. But yeah, I, I think that uh, you make some good points. And I, I don't know that on one hand, you have to kind of give Chase credit for saying, okay, these are only going to be for two years or whatever, instead of just announcing them as new benefits. And then if they can't renegotiate or something, they're going to have to take them away down the line. So at least they're being honest up front. But on the other hand, you can cash in some of those benefits now before you have to renew. And then do you get enough value with the increased annual fee in order to keep it? So I don't know. It's a good article, good food for thought. And I have to really kind of think about what I'm going to do on my four-year anniversary with the card later this year. You know, on this podcast multiple times, you have pointed out that at least for me, this is not a tough decision. Like I'm not getting enough value out of my Chase Sapphire Reserve even before they increased it to $550. So I definitely think people need to take stock and take a look at, you know, what they're doing because, you know, your point to me, which is a great point, and so I'll bring it up if people didn't hear it, was, hey, Joe, when's the last time you redeemed the points for 1.5 cents per point? And that was 0.0 times total. So, you know, that's kind of like the main thing that differentiates it for me from the preferred with that being the case, you know, that's why it's not a hard decision for me. And I'm definitely going to cancel when we get to August. Good. Anything else to, to add Mark before we move on? No, I think we, uh, we hit it pretty well. Uh, yeah. As Joe says, just with any card, when the annual fee comes up, crunch the numbers, look at, uh, what value you get out of it. Don't put, you know, like extreme values on stuff that, you know, like lift pink and say, Oh, it saved me a thousand dollars or whatever, because, there's been reports that Lyft Pink isn't any cheaper than Uber and stuff. So look at it legitimately and don't look at it with rosy colored glasses when you make these decisions. Um, and then just go from there and, and do what's best for you. You know, just because it doesn't work for Joe doesn't mean it doesn't work for you. So it's all personal decision. I do think the phrase is rose colored glasses. Whatever. <laughs> All right, and let's move into this next. next. Yeah. How, how did you go from an English professor to a science teacher all of a sudden? Hey, man. <laughs> I'm a renaissance man. I'm a man of many hats. I'll do whatever oh, I, I have to to get paid. Next thing, he's going to be in the lab creating a, uh, a vaccine. Yeah. Oh, listen to that. Listen to that. No. Listen to that segue, by the way. Yes. All right. So let's talk about something that's interesting. And I think a topic that'll be interesting to listeners and something that Mark and I have discussed over the years of talking about uh, how we make money on Miles to Memories and and how we make money on the podcast, but most more specifically on the website. Hint, hint, we and, don't make money on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, That's uh, a the, loss leader. <laughs> yes, yeah. the, the podcast actually costs us money. Um, and maybe someday it will, it'll grow to the point where we can get uh, sponsorships. We could get sponsorships now, but we want to to grow it uh, to try to get quality sponsorships that help uh, listeners. So at this point, it's not generating uh, any revenue, but let's kind of back up a little bit. What inspired uh, this, Mark? Because I know that you you like, there's other bloggers who who do this that you like their kind of posts, right? That inspired you to, to bring yeah, it up. Yeah. Um, Charlie at Running With Miles is, uh, I think, like once a year, maybe twice a year, he writes a post, you know, how blogs make money. And when I was a reader and I didn't see behind the curtain, you know, I was always curious about it. And I don't think a lot of people know how boarding area works and stuff like that. So I just think it's useful information that, that people are always curious about and don't fully understand. So they look at it things in a bad light because they just don't really know what's going on. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to, to kick it around. Yeah. So to start, uh, Miles to Memories joined Boarding Area uh, in 2014. So before that, I was a kind of a standalone small blog. Um, I had blogged before, so I knew how to set that up and I hosted it myself. 
and I used Google AdSense and that's the only way I made any money. And during those days, we had so few readers that make pennies every day. So like, and I remember, you know, like the first time it took months and months and months to get to like $50 with Google AdSense so that I could cash it out and actually get some money. And Big winner. First, Big yeah, winner. exactly. <laughs> and that was cool to watch that kind of build up over time and then get that. And that was really good. But I actually ended up writing on the site about two years before I ever made any real money. And by real money, I just mean like, you know, where I could cash that out every single month. And But we did join Boarding Area in 2014 and they kind of have been great in that we create all the content and I own the site, but they help us sell ads and they help us with the technical stuff. So I don't have to, ho they host the website. Like we talked about on the show previously, we were on their domain, although now we've moved off to our own, but uh, that's uh, part of how we make money is through say, through display ads that show up on every single post that you read. Yeah, and I'll say that, you know, a lot of people think boarding area kind of controls the narrative or controls the blogs. I've I've seen people complain like, hey, boarding area, I've seen five blog posts about this one topic. Well, they're, they're, they're just there to like, what they do is they bring all these blogs together so they have better negotiating power with ad agencies so they get a better rate for everyone. And then they also give um, support on the back end too. So they don't really control any of the content, when stuff's posted, what's posted, it, nothing like that. It's more of just, we work together, kind of like a buying club, I guess you could say, where you get discounts or better rates because you have a bigger group, a bigger audience. The whole five blogs post the same thing. That's not from board. I never thought that was boarding area. That's just groupthink or, you know, yeah. everyone has to report the same news. Well, and in this space, we, you know, a lot of the blogs cover the same topics, but we have our own audiences. We have our own uh, readership. So if it's a really big story, of course, we're all going to cover it and we're going to cover it in our own way. And unfortunately, that does kind of manifest itself by things being duplicated on the boarding area homepage. But if you really look at it as, as all separate websites in the same kind of topic area, then it makes sense that we would all cover the same stuff. But yeah, so boarding area sells our display ads. So if you go to the website and you see ads on the sidebar, ads throughout the uh, throughout the content, that's them selling those ads. And that represents a portion of how we make money. Um, as you may have heard or read or seen or noticed even in mainstream media, uh, ad rates are, are terrible and they're getting worse all the time. And so that's always been sort of a difficult way, I guess, to make a ton of money. But uh, as the website grows, we, we do make more money that way. But we also have affiliate links and affiliate partnerships, which is another way that we make money. And I guess what you hear a lot from, you know, certain trolls on the internet, I guess, who like to talk about this is, what? you know, trolls, no way is, you know, they're <laughs> selling credit cards, they're selling credit cards. So let's talk about the, the elephant in the room, credit card affiliate links, you know, what they are and what they're not. And w we don't have any direct affiliate links. So that means that we're not working directly with the banks. We work with a third party, like a lot of other bloggers do. Um, but there's been one sort of thing that we've always done since the beginning of this site and will always continue to do is that we don't promote offers that uh, are inferior to what you can get. So if, if we know of a link that will get you a 100,000 point bonus, we're not going to give you our 50,000 point affiliate link to make money. We really do believe that we can provide great information and benefit from that when you decide to apply, but also don't want to trick you into getting something that you don't want to get. 
uh, yeah, right and now. I, will, I mean, that's yeah. And I will say, like, uh, if if the best link is a referral link, we'll 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 let you know that as well. And it's always like a dirty word, or you know, people look at it as in a bad light that you know they're just writing this story to get credit card affiliate links or whatever. And that I'd say, you know, we post probably six to eight times a day. And maybe one or two is credit card focused. Most of it is, you know, about travel or about using your miles or, you know, just the news, coronavirus, stuff like that. The way I have always looked at it is we encourage you to use personal referral links if you can. You know, if you have family members that that plays this this game with you, a player two um, that you can send referrals to and stuff like that. Um, Or if there's the, the public offers better, we also encourage that, you know. This is just a way to support blogs because they're creating this content free and we don't expect everybody to use our links all the time. You know, most people read two or three blogs on a daily basis. They're their favorites or whatever. And if we happen to be one of the favorites, you know, if you want it to support us, you can use a link uh, to sign up for a card when it's the best offer out there and encourage you to use if you if you're reading three blogs on a daily basis, you know, rotate between them. You know, that's the way I always looked at it. If you go directly, some people will say, I'll never give a blogger money. I'll go directly to the bank. Well, all you're doing is putting more pocket, more money in the bank's pocket. So I don't really see the purpose in that. I mean, if you're reading the content and you're enjoying it, why wouldn't you want to support it? So I don't know. What, what's your take on it, Joe? Well, my first take is, as we established last week, the banks are the good guys. So I don't know why we wouldn't <laughs> want to give more the money banks to more the money? banks. Obviously, I don't work directly for at least the writing portion of Miles to Memory. So speaking about affiliate links and things like that, you know, there are times in my life where I have been able to link to things or I've been writing for sites where I can add in links. And I will say, and I think gun to your head, you guys would probably agree, like there is always the temptation to add an extra sentence to put a link in, or at least for me, there was the temptation to do that. I don't have to worry about that anymore. But, um, and so, you know, I think, it's important to be honest about that. And I do think miles to memories does a really good job of like when I read articles on the site, like it doesn't feel like links are kind of artificially stuck in there, but I think it'll happen from time to time. And that's why I think, like you said, Mark, the real thing to think about is do you want to support miles to memories? And if you do, then, you know, regardless of whether you feel like the link that you are seeing is, uh, I guess, kind of snuck in or not, you know, just support them. Like no one is going to write perfect content all the time. And where links are inserted, to me, just kind of goes along with that. Just because I watch a 22 episode season of TV and two of them suck, that doesn't mean I'm not going to, I'm going to stop watching the TV show or stop supporting those actors. So same thing, like, even if there are some articles that and this doesn't only go for Miles to Memories, it goes for like all blogs. Like even if, the, if there are some articles you don't like, that doesn't mean don't support them through their links. And obviously, in case I need to make it clear, I was joking, the banks don't need extra money. Might as well <laughs> give some to, uh, you know, third parties along the way. But I think the, the most important thing about this discussion is that we provide value. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do with all the posts on the website, trying to make the website easier to go through and to find stuff. That's what we're doing with this podcast and why we see it as valuable, even though it doesn't directly generate uh, revenue. 
to us. I feel, I feel like that keeps a. That, I feel like that's a subtle dig at me since I'm the. Uh, that's the only part that I'm involved <laughs> in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought that was a funny joke. Yeah, you're bringing I, you're bringing all the the red to the, the yeah to the PNL <laughs> joke. Keep, no, I'm here Basically, to. I'm here we're, to, we're trying to figure out how to deal with this. Uh, yeah, old ball and chain over here. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying <laughs> to keep MTM in the red. You know, that's a tax write off. But yeah, sorry to cut you off, Sean. But I do want to say that one thing I've always loved about. Sean's site is from the very beginning before you even had credit card links you had that page where you're like it was like the I think you called it the value for value model right like you want to give value to the readers and if in turn readers want to give value back to you um, you've always appreciated that and I feel like that has stayed through the site you know and that's one I mean we joke about the podcast but that's one reason why I want to do the podcast with Miles and Memories is because I've always you know felt that from uh, you guys and your work so you know, I do think that word value is pretty important when you're at least thinking about mouse memories because it's obviously something that's been important to you, Sean, and it's always come through at least to me. You did the podcast because you want to hang out with me, and that's why. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, as far as value, I, I like I, I stole that obviously from another podcast, from the No Agenda podcast, right? That's Wait, their term, value you? for value model. Yes. Oh my gosh. <gasps> Can you believe dude, you that? And, shattered, and, I, and I haven't dude, had you that just page shattered up. my world. I did not. I did not know that. I haven't had that page up in years either. Uh, I because nobody ever looked at. I'm glad one person did. Sean, and I'm. I can't, I'm not even joking right you now. Know like that came from no agenda shit. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, the value for that, value. I read that six years ago, and I always believed that. And wow, I I see you totally <laughs> differently now. <laughs> Take back everything I said. Take well, it all it's back. It's true though. So, yeah, I mean, we want to provide something. If we do, everything we're doing here is free. If we do, consider uh, supporting the show, mtmpodcast.com. We have all the links. But, you know, that's how we make money. That's how we can have our team, have different writers, be able to pay everybody uh, to to keep this going. We are an independent voice, miles and point space. You know, there aren't very many of us left, so. I would say also we have, you know, third party affiliate stuff like Amazon and, and things like that. And, you know, SoFi was one. Um, so it, we'll write articles about stuff that offers value to the readers and we'll put our links in there if it makes sense. So that's another way you can do it. And Amazon's a good one because, you know, portals don't pay out on it. So I encourage you, whether it's us or another blogger, if you're going to buy something from Amazon, click through their Amazon link before you do it because somebody should you know, get a little kickback for it because you can't get it for yourself. You know, any blogs that you read on a regular basis, whether it's Miles of Memories, Doctor of Credit, whoever it is, you know, support them any way you can. It, it, it just keeps it going because ad revenue just isn't enough. And I will say, you know, Sean's done a really great job of reinvesting any any type of revenue he gets. You know, we, we're continuously hiring new writers and we always look for people that have different voices from us. Um, you know, like Ryan is an expat living in Brazil. Ian is a, a nerd that goes into airline um, uh, rewards programs, even stuff he's nerd. never flown before. Yeah, nerd. He, he, he's big into that. And that's something that me and Sean aren't great at. So that's why we look to, to bring him on and stuff. And a, a lot of the posts they write don't really drive any revenue, but we, we want them to write them because we think it adds value to the readers. And that's what we're trying to look for, you know, do a full scope that we're offering it from all different points of views because... I write things that I find interesting, but that doesn't mean, you know, Joe's going to find it interesting. He might like what Ryan has to offer because he's an expat too, you know. It depends on uh, your background, who who you enjoy to read more. So I think that's something that we've done well and, and tried to do is is offer different voices, different uh, sides of the argument. Um, and, th- and that's something that really drew me to the site personally. And then, of course, the, the Facebook groups, right? 
Yeah, we have, uh, and, and Mark does an amazing job running the Facebook groups, but we have our Miles and Points Facebook group, which is now uh, well over 11,000 people. We have a Disney Hacks Facebook group that's growing, and I'm actually looking for a moderator for that. So that would, if anybody out there is a Disney expert and a travel hacker, let me know. And then uh, our reselling Facebook groups, almost 3,000 people. All of those are free of charge as well. So we have all this great stuff, and uh, we're glad to have everybody out there We've talking about ourselves enough, I think. Um, so <laughs> let's move on to uh, some good information people can learn from. And I think a good article that we had this week that would be worth discussing is whether you should pay cash or use airline miles. Now, I know that Joe is going to say he never wants to pay cash, never, ever, ever pay cash. Um, but uh, Well, Joe just doesn't want to have to whip out the, the, uh, <laughs> the calculator yeah. to, to do the math for it, to decide. <laughs> But actually paying cash right. isn't actually paying cash all the time. So got to get my graphic calculator. <laughs> yes, your graphic <laughs> calculator. Oh. The screen on your graphic calculator. Do you use that while you're graphic. breaking down the coronavirus and figuring out a cure? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Joe created a vaccine on the graphic calculator. <laughs> all right. All right. So, yeah. So, when Joe, when do you decide whether you're going to pay cash or use miles when, uh, when booking airfare? Yeah. So, I don't. Have I said that? Like, I, I, I feel slightly misrepresented. Like, I definitely pay cash, like, a lot. Yeah. He's just call, he's calling you cheap. That's all, Joe. You just say flights. you never want to pay cash for anything is what you usually say. But you didn't specifically No, I don't want that. any cash back ever. I hate cash back. But, okay. I hate money. Uh, Sorry. Dirty. Um, but I can use the cash that I have made uh, from, um, you know, other sources. Uh, you know, money laundering and stuff like that. But anyway. <laughs> oh, so... Joe is so, an independent like, contractor in no way associated with this. Uh, no. So usually it's just kind of a straight calculation. Like I just calculate how many cents per point I'm getting for my points. If that's not over, at least over one cent per point, of course, I'm going to think about spending cash because if I'm going to get one cent per point for the thing. One thing that I really like to do is not spend actual cash, but you know, use actually, no, I don't like to do this. I only like to do this theoretically. We've established this, but theoretically, yeah, I've never used the chase porter, but I love yes. to do this. Yes. I love, I <laughs> love to dreams. look, I love to look in the chase portal to see. Actually, I do do it with like US Bank Altitude Rewards and some of those random other cards, um, but with the main points, I, I haven't done that. But, you know, if cash fares are cheap enough, like, you know, we're flying Southwest down to Miami for our Disney cruise because that's what was cheapest, like by a lot. Um, and so, you know, when those kinds of situations come up, I don't mind using cash. It's generally just kind of a straight calculation. I whip out that graphic calculator, see what numbers I get, and then, uh, you know, book whichever one saves me more money. What about you, Mark? For the most part, that's what I do. Um, one thing I would say is take into calculation shopping portals for a lot of like hotel bookings and stuff. You'll get cash back from that. So that should be included in your calculation. Um, also, I tend to pay cash more for hotels than I do for airlines because usually the value is just there when you're flying airlines uh, versus hotels. They could be a static price where they want 30,000 points for, you know, a $100 hotel. So uh, also take into account hotel promos, you know, like Hilton will give you sometimes with Diamond from the Aspire, you can earn like 40 points per dollar, which is a huge return on your spend. So, you know, that could be up to like 20% back plus your uh, portal payout. So that totally shifts the numbers. But I used to be all points all the time. I'd figure out a way to make it work. If if I wasn't getting a good uh, amount for my Hilton points to book that hotel, I'd book it through the city portal because that's going to give me 1.25 cents uh, to book it. So there was, I always made it work to use points. But lately, 
with banks shutting things down and, and applications becoming more difficult, I've been more open to paying cash, as well as, uh, you know, I get to write off stuff now that I work and travel uh, related stuff. So that's something else I have to consider that other people might not. It's it's a more difficult decision than it used to be. It used to be always miles and points, no matter what. And now it's more of a balance of it. So it, a lot of it depends on your situation. If you have more cash in the bank than you do miles, you're going to pay cash. If you have a ton of miles, then you're probably going to burn those first. So what do you think, Sean? Yeah, I think Ian makes a good point and, and just make the redemption or make the decision based on, you know, allowing yourself to travel how you want to. So I think that the real answer is to have flexible points because they really are going to give you the option to book cash or to transfer out partners. And if you can have, if you can really earn in at least two of the major programs, thank you points, membership rewards, ultimate rewards, and have those ready, I think that's the best way to go. But as we go into this sort of economic uncertainty, the one thing that we do know happens during these times is great travel deals. So that's another reason to sort of be prepared with flexible points, currencies, or cash because a lot of times they're going to be significantly better than points redemptions, especially, I guess, on, you know, as, as these hotels have gotten more revenue based, there's more flexibility for them to lower prices as the economy goes bad. But you're going to see great cash deals for hotels, for cars, for uh, airplanes. Uh, so, yeah, be ready for that. And uh, I think, yeah, take a look at Ian's article. It has some some more nuanced stuff on when you should choose one or the other. I tend to pay cash more often now. And I, in more cases than not, use flexible points from Chase. I actually do book with my Chase Ultimate Rewards or uh, Thank You Points a lot of the time too. See, I find it funny. Does, I don't know if you guys do this as well. Like I, I prioritize my points and then I don't I don't ever really rack up Thank You Points. I know you do, Sean, because you have the, the AT&T, AT&T card. AT&T access more, baby. Woo. <laughs> yeah. So you're getting three times on all that reselling stuff online, but I've always struggled to accrue them because, you know, their uh, anti-churning rules are that you can only get one thank you card, you know, every two years. So it's it makes it difficult to, to build up a stash. And I don't I don't put a lot of spend on their cards. You know, where I spend my money, it doesn't match up to their category. So I always prioritize, prioritize them a lot less. So whenever I do get them, I use the portal more freely versus you know, Chase, I might not want to use the portal because I don't want to burn those points and I can get a better deal transferring them. So I just find that kind of funny. I know some people hate membership rewards. Other people don't think UR points are really that great. So they might use those portals more often than they do for compared to the other points. And I, I don't know if you guys have one that you prefer to use for your portal, if it's City or I know you use UR all the time through the portal, Sean. Yeah, for low-cost carriers, I use City. Because they show up in the in yeah, the I don't know what know. Chase's deal is with that. It's so annoying. Even though you do get hit with the extra fee through booking through a third party with like Spirit or Frontier. Yeah, go but, to the airport and buy those tickets. Yeah, but for for tickets where or for times where you can't do that, it's cheap enough to to use thank you points. I so I do that. But yeah, I use Chase Ultimate Rewards a lot, and I've used it for activities, for hotels, for for flights, and yeah, it works good. And I'm able to earn those points thanks to chasing cards pretty quickly. So, yeah, I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to. And I think that's going to wrap it on this show. Like I said, Ian's article on on that topic is actually worth checking out because there's some good points that we didn't get into. Before we go, Joe, uh, you know, during the week when people are hanging out and they want to get more Joe Chung, where should they go? Uh, you can check me out at As The Joe Flies, all of our social media. You can check out my newsletter, tinyletter.com slash As The Joe Flies. And you can listen to me, com for miles and points. 
got uh, Travel with Grant coming up in a couple weeks, so people might be excited about that. Oh, and I love Grant. Nicest yeah. dude ever. Grant's Very awesome. Very nice guy. Yep. And then uh, you can also check out my Disney podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com. What about you, Mark? Well, when I'm not playing games on my graphing calculator... <laughs> Did nice. you guys do that in high school? Did you download yeah, games? Yeah, Drug Wars, them? best game. Drugs Wars, best game. No, I never did. Oh, you're not nerdy enough, Sean, I guess. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, you were too cool for that. I got out-nerded by Mark. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I just like playing games and not paying attention in school. You can email me at marketmilestomemories.com. Uh, just comment on any of the articles on Miles to Memories. I'll get you back there. Or I'm in the Facebook groups all day long, so join one of those if you're not in them already because we got a lot of great people that will help you out with any questions you have. How about you, Sean? Yeah, same. Sean at milestomemories.com and all the great content, milestomemories.com. Thanks to the uh, to the amazing team, everybody there, and on Facebook, in the groups, and everywhere else. So, yeah, and uh, social media at milestomemories. So, until next time, uh, see you later. Stay safe out there. Bye. See you later. Somebody's banging on the wall. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Are you at home? You're at home, aren't you? Yeah, it's got to be coming from upstairs. I don't know. It must be Ellie jumping. It's coming from inside the house. It's inside the house. Sean Reese, stop. Oh, have you guys ever seen what's that movie, uh, The Children in the Attic or in the Basement where the guy lives in the walls and stuff? Have you ever seen that? I don't know, but we were talking. It sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, it's like a old, like late 80s, early 90s scary movie, the, The Children Under the Stairs. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't even i don't even watch scary movies and i know that quote what the, what, what, what about the blob the 1950s blob isn't that scary you and your black and white movies man you love all right them. the banging is done right let's go i think i think the blob was in was colorized later but i think it was originally in black and white you're right all right i, I, I might have to go upstairs is it, it a disney okay. black and white movie i'm sure it is yeah i'm sure the blob was made by <laughs> no disney. no no. that's flubber that's flubber yeah, oh, yeah williams flubber. Well, that was uh, Jerry no, Lewis, Flubber, right? No, Flubber is Robin Williams is the remake. Yeah, oh. Jerry Lewis first. Those are guys nerding out. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> that's just movie nerds. Nerd them. All um, right, and uh, nerding out. Let's talk about nerding out. You you nerded out a little bit this week. Talk, uh, Mark, talking about. No one's going to hear that part, Sean. <laughs> Segway. You, you can start ruined. right at you nerded out this week. No, you started right there. No, no. <laughs>